Good morning. My name is Aaron Walton. I am one of the pastors here at Abundant Life Church, and I get the incredible honor of starting a brand new message series today that we are calling The Way of Jesus. Over these next several weeks, as we get closer and closer to the celebration of Easter, we're just going to take some time as a church family and just look at the stories of Jesus and discover or maybe remind ourselves of the way that he lived, the way that he was in relationship with those around him and the truth that he taught, the truth that he embodied. Because here's the reality. If you look at the scripture, if you read through the gospels, you'll see that Jesus lived a very unique and certain way, a way that was very different than the world around him. And so we as a church, we want the way that we live to reflect the story of God shown to us in the way of Jesus. But before we really get to the way of Jesus, we just have to really ask this question. Who is Jesus? So just take a second and just think about it. Who is Jesus to you? What do you think of? What do you feel? What do you believe? What are the images that come to your mind when you hear the name Jesus? Now, for me, I grew up uh, my entire life really a part of a church family. I can't think of a time in my life that I was not a part of church. My family considered it very important for us to grow up being a part and participating in church life. And so because of that, a lot of my understanding of God, a lot of my understanding of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, of life, faith, all of that has been shaped by my experience in church. And that has both hurt and help me along the way. But I also grew up in this world, right? We, I grew up in this culture. I grew up in this society. I went to public school system, right? And so all of that played a part in my understanding of God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, of faith, and of life. And so I just want to give you guys kind of a little insight into my upbringing. And I want to show you a couple pictures of images that came to my mind as a kid, probably most of my teenage life. When I heard God, when I heard Jesus, when I heard of the Holy Spirit, these are the things that I thought of. These are the things that I saw. So the first one I want to share with you is the picture that came to my mind when I thought of God. Now, this is from a TV show that I was, I was not allowed to watch when growing up, okay? But I'll just be honest, I did watch The Simpsons every time and again, even though my father did not want me to. But this is what I thought of when I thought of God, right? This big, giant of a person, right? With a long beard and a flowing robe and a, and a cloud always covering his face and a deep voice, Aaron, you are awesome. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know why. That's always how I thought of God. Now, when I thought of Jesus, there was always one image that came to my mind. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie, the film, the Jesus film, okay? Growing up in my household, at my grandma's house, there, she always had this VHS tape that was basically the life of Jesus. So every time I think of Jesus, I think of this picture, okay? Now, here's the reality. This is probably not what Jesus looked like, okay, just to be honest. And also, a little bit of a, a fun fact, he probably didn't have a British accent, okay? I'm just, that's what I'm just assuming. I'm just assuming I wasn't there. But in my mind, because I watched this movie so often, when I thought of Jesus, I thought of that picture. Now, the next one 
you, you just gotta, I just gotta ask for your forgiveness now, okay? Please forgive me. And I'm not trying to be a heretic here, okay? But, I, but when I thought of the Holy Spirit, okay? When I thought of God, right, I thought of that big giant of a, you know, and then when I thought of Jesus, it was like, hey, governor, how you doing? That kind of thing, I think. But when I thought of the Holy Spirit, as a kid, I always pictured the Holy Spirit as a short, fat, balding person, right, with a lot of energy and spunk and a lot of personality, okay? So when I thought of the Holy Spirit, this is who I always thought of. <laughs> Again, this is not accurate, okay? I'm just telling you what I thought as a child. I don't know why. I always thought like the Holy Spirit was always running behind God and Jesus going, hey guys, hey guys, you know, hold up, hold up, you know, don't, don't leave me behind, don't leave me behind. Hey, what's going on? You know, that kind of stuff. I don't know why. Now, here's why this is so important, Okay? Our understanding of God, our understanding of Jesus, our understanding of the Holy Spirit, what we think, what we believe, the images that come to our mind, directly impacts our relationship with them. So depending on the church that you grew up in, or depending on if you didn't grow up in church, a lot of that impacts what we think and what we feel and what we believe about these pretty important aspects of our faith and of our life. And so that is why today, we're just going to spend some time looking through Colossians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. And we're just going to spend some time looking at one of the most beautiful and theologically rich passages in the entire New Testament so that we can answer the question, who is Jesus? Now, for those of you that just want to know kind of the the heart behind the letter of Colossians. It was a letter written by Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, the first missionary. And so he wrote this letter to a church called Church of Colossae, basically doing his best to encourage them and to correct some distortions of some truth. But ultimately, the reason why he wrote Colossians was so that the church would keep Jesus preeminent in their life and in their faith. Now, preeminent is a really fancy church word. Basically, what that is is saying Paul was pleading with them to keep Jesus above everything else, that Jesus was the most important thing for their life and for their faith. In essence, the entire letter of Colossians is Paul pleading with the church, begging them, encouraging them, saying, do not forget who you are. Do not forget why you exist, why you are a church. Do not forget what Jesus has done and how amazing he is. Now, for me, in my personal opinion, you guys probably know what I consider to be the happiest place on earth, right? Do you guys know what I consider to be the happiest place on earth? It's pretty obvious. It's Absolutely. And if you disagree with that, that's okay. I'm not judging you, but we have all fallen short of the glory of God, okay? It's totally fine. But for me, in my personal opinion, my family's opinion, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. There's no place I'd rather be. I love going to Disneyland. But for being the happiest place on earth, do you know what I see time and time again every time I visit Disneyland? I see families having a miserable time, okay? It is crazy how often you see as you walk through, as you're trying to enjoy the happiest place on earth, you'll see families just miserable. You'll see parents yelling at their kids. You'll see kids throwing horrible fits. You'll see children and parents crying their eyes out going, why did we do this? 
Why did we spend all this money? This is supposed to be a happy place. Why am I so sad? And I've been there, okay? A couple years ago, my, my wife and I, we took our girls to Disneyland, and we took Emma on the Matterhorn. If you guys don't know what the Matterhorn is, it's kind of a fun, kind of more roller coaster type ride, but she was finally tall enough to go on it, and so we were so excited. And so as we were going on this ride, at one point, there's like a, uh, an abominable snowman or like a Yeti that jumps out and kind of scares you. Well, it did, okay? It totally did, and it totally got Emma bad. So as we're going on this awesome, fun ride in the most happiest place on earth, all I hear is my little girl going, ah, why did you do this to me, Father? Get me off this ride. This is horrible. And she's crying, and she's crying. Here's a picture I think I have of this poor little girl. I know, isn't that just so sad? Ah. Uh, and here's, here, the best part was this, okay? So my daughter's bawling her eyes out. My heart is breaking as there's nothing I can do. I look at my wife. You know what she's doing? She's cracking up, okay? <laughs> she thinks it's the funniest thing. She's just holding back her laughter. And the worst part is as soon as you get out of the ride and you're trying to console, no, you're happy. Everything is great. Everything's wonderful. This is great. Everybody else in line is just judging you like <laughs> worst parents in the world right here. Here's the reality. I think, sadly, most of us, we spend a lot of our time in church, a lot of our time in our relationship with Jesus, just throwing a fit, just causing all kinds of just moments where we just are filled with the sadness and emotion because we fail to remember how important Jesus is, how he has changed everything, that there is nothing greater that there is nothing greater that we can have in our life than the presence of Jesus Christ. And so today we want to spend some time reminding ourselves of how important Jesus is, of who we are because of Jesus' love for us, and how he can change everything. So turn your Bibles first, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Allow me to read, or you can follow along. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created as supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities, the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And like I said, this is a very theologically rich passage. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to break down some of these ideas of what's presented here, what Paul is trying to communicate to the church. And so there's two big ideas in this passage that we're going to break down. The first one is that Jesus is the image of God. And the second one is that Jesus is the Lord of creation. So let's break down each one. First one. Jesus is the image of God. Here's one of the most beautiful and most challenging ideas that Paul was trying to get the church to really understand, that the nature, that the character, and the identity or the essence of God is perfectly revealed and manifested in Jesus Christ. Like if we really want to know who God is, if we really want to understand who God truly is, then all we need to do is open up the scripture and look at the life and the story 
of Jesus. There is no better manifestation, no better representation than who God is than through Jesus Christ. So many people, right, throughout the years and throughout the centuries, during the time of Paul and really during our time, just considered Jesus to be a good guy, that he was just a moral teacher, that he was just a good leader that had a big following. Hear me when I say this, and I know this is obvious, but Jesus is God. Jesus truly is God as best that we as humanity can come to understand it. And through Jesus Christ, we will fully understand not only who we are, but we will fully understand our purpose. This is one of the great gifts that we have as the church is that we get to know God because we get to know Jesus. Now, the second idea helps kind of complement this and maybe take it to a, a deeper level or a deeper understanding when it says that Jesus is the Lord of creation. Well, what does that mean? Well, this is what it means, I think. All the things in this world, everything, including you and including me, everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. That's what the scripture testifies. That Jesus was not, as a lot of people in the early church or in the, the time of, uh, of this era, thought that Jesus was just one of the created beings that God made, Right? During the time in the Church of Colossae, it really talks about how there was a lot of heresy, which is just a fancy way of saying there was a lot of truth that was slowly being distorted as this church was trying to figure itself out. And as, as Paul was trying to communicate, right, God is supposed to be number one. Jesus, understand, he's the most important thing. But along the way, the culture of the time, the society of the time, slowly was starting to kind of work its way in and distort some of that truth. And so the importance of Jesus got kind of less and less and less as they began to say, well, maybe Jesus wasn't this, or maybe Jesus wasn't that. And so Paul is literally saying, understand that Jesus was not the first of all created beings, but instead existed before creation and actually acted as an instrument that God used to breathe life, to speak life into existence. Now, a lot of this really has to do with uh, an understanding of the Trinity, which again is another church term that maybe sound confusing. What is the relationship between God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit? How does it all work? And that's a really hard, challenging, and confusing thing to talk about. And even if you do, it's always a little bit difficult to accept. So I'm going to let Pastor Gareth deal with that next time he preaches. So <laughs> take that, take that. I said. But here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about what Paul is trying to get out for this church. Jesus Christ, as best that we can understand him, he is the unifying principle of all life. He is the unifying principle, and without him, all would fall apart. I love how the Gospel of John says it, and this is, again, another theologically rich passage, but I love the way that, that John, the Apostle John, really speaks about this, and it's in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Basically, he's saying exactly what Paul is saying, just in a different way. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word being the way that John was trying to describe Jesus to a Greek culture that didn't quite understand him. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. So again, what the heck does all this mean? 
This is what this means. In Jesus Christ, in a relationship that you and I can build and establish as we create intimacy, moments creating space for us to spend time with Jesus, it is through that relationship and through the presence that he has in our life that we can fully understand and discover the essence of our true identity. If you really want to know who you are, if you really want to understand who you are, all those questions that we've been asking ourselves forever and ever and ever, the best way to understand that is through Jesus Christ. And the promise that comes, as the scripture says, is when you find Jesus, you find life. And when you find that life, there is a light that shines brighter than any darkness. You are given the greatest gift Jesus Christ, the one who knows you better than you know yourself, and for you to discover who you are, you just need to discover Jesus. See, we live in a world, as many of you know, right, where there is an enemy that all he wants to do is to let this world believe, let you and I believe that we are worthless, that we are broken, and that we have nothing left to live for. I really believe a lot of the problems in this world, a lot of the problems that we face on a day-to-day basis come back to this, that we have an enemy whispering lies over and over and over again saying we have nothing. We are worthless. We are broken. There is nothing that we can give nor we don't deserve any good things. Uh, The author Henry Nouwen says it this way. He says, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. Church, hear me when I say this. You are God's beloved. Every single one of you has been claimed by God, claimed by Jesus Christ. And you are not worthless. You are not broken. You are his beloved. So I was born... June 14th, 1984. Hope that didn't make anybody feel old in this room, but 1984, that's when I was born. So I didn't consider myself a child of the 80s, right? Because I was just a kid, you know, really just a baby during those. So I'm really a child of the 90s, okay? Any else child of the 90s out there? Just, okay, two of you? Great, awesome, that's great. (laughs) So is a child of the 90s, part of my childhood, part of my upbringing, uh, was really centered around, kind of centered around a lot of like toys, right? Action figures, okay? So I love spending time and playing with toys and spending time with my action figures. We had all kinds, okay? We had, we had G.I. Joes, right? We had Star Wars toys, the ones that came out, uh, you know, a while ago, but also the ones that came out from the 1970s, right? We inherited those. We had micro machines. We had all kinds. But one of the best toys we ever had One of the ones that I just loved to get. One of my favorite all-time toys were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Anybody else? Heroes in a half shell. Yeah, let's go. See, there's some 90 kids out there. I can hear you. These were one of the best toys ever to get. You know, on your birthday or Christmas or if you saved up some money. Oh, it was so much fun. And this one... Pacific, I just, the Raphael one, that was the one that I was able to get for me that my brother was not allowed to play with. <laughs> but do you guys know that there are uh, counterfeit knockoff toys of certain brands out there? 
like all those famous toys that we know, there's actually a whole nother world of basically counterfeit toys that kind of took the same idea, but kind of misconstrued it. So can you imagine as a child waking up on Christmas morning or getting a birthday present and opening up and instead of receiving a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, you instead receive a Teenage Mutant Ninja Tortoise right here? This just doesn't, doesn't quite look right, does it? I mean, it's just not as cool. It just doesn't quite make sense. This is a, this is a knockoff. It's a counterfeit. It's, it's not what we're going for here. Church, hear me when I say this. And I have to believe that there's someone in this room right now that needs to hear this. You are not a knockoff. You are not counterfeit. You are not worthless, that you are the beloved son and daughter of the most high king. And that is truth. One of my favorite people of all time is a pastor that I get to work with here on staff. He helps with our student ministries. His name is Pastor Brett Byerly. And he has kind of a motto that he lives by. If he had a message that he would preach for anybody at any age, if he had one more thing to say, it would be this. And so I want to quote you what he says, because I think it's something that we all need to claim for ourselves today. He says this, you are a child of the most high God. You are loved beyond belief and you are valuable beyond imagining. Please give me a little amen on that. Telling you church, so many of the things that we wrestle through, so many of the things we fight through all come back down. Do you truly believe this? that you are a child of the most high God, that you are loved by a God and through his son, Jesus Christ, beyond your understanding, beyond belief, and you are so valuable beyond imagining. When we follow the way of Jesus, when we live as Jesus lived, and when we experience intimacy with him, we are invited and we are discover our truest identity, who we truly are. And because of our creation, because of the fact that God and Jesus Christ played a part in our creation, in the forming and the knitting together of who we are, when we come to know Jesus, we literally experience the greatest fulfillment of our created potential, of our essence. Now again, don't get me wrong. There is a sin problem that we have to face. We are messy. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. That's still a part of our story. That's still a part of what we need to do. But the cool thing, the amazing thing, the truth is the sin and the mess do not define who we are. The love of the God of this universe and through his son, Jesus Christ, that is who we are. But my hope for our church today and for you and for me is that every day we would claim our true identity in Jesus Christ. Let's go on to Colossians chapter 1, 18 through 20. It's going to get a little bit deeper. We're going to add some more understanding to who Jesus is. This is what it says. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Okay, so two more ideas represented in this passage of scripture. Number one, Jesus is the head of the church 
Number two, Jesus is our redeemer. So let's unpack each one. First, Jesus is the head of the church. Uh, I have a, a biblical commentator that I always read anytime I work on a passage or work on a sermon. And so I want to quote William Barclay because I think he sums it up what Paul is trying to communicate as Jesus is the head of the church. He says this, Jesus is the guiding spirit of the church. And without him, the church cannot think the truth, cannot act correctly, and cannot decide its direction. Now, I don't know about you, but I cannot tell you how beyond thankful I am that I'm a part of a church that puts Jesus first, okay? I don't know about you, but I am so thankful, so glad that we are a church where the most important thing is not to put on a show, which is not to just kind of add some noise to an already kind of crazy world, not to just fill time, that we are a part of a church that all we care about is fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen? I am so grateful, so glad that I get to work with a staff that truly sees Jesus as the head of this church. One of the questions I've been asked a lot over this last season is people have come up to me and said, so Aaron, what do you really think of Pastor Gareth? <laughs> so, okay, let me, uh, let me answer that question. And so I'm going to just be honest with you guys, okay? Uh, just if, if I can have some, just, you know, com- you know, keep this in confidence, okay? I'm just going to... I'm going to share with you, Pastor Gareth's not here today, so, you know, he's out preaching at Sandy, so I'm going to answer this question once and for all. I'm going to really tell you what I think of Pastor Gareth, you know? Let me tell you who I think, you know, this is, this is, this is what I think. Pastor Gareth is awesome, okay? <laughs> Anybody else agree? He's awesome, okay? He's awesome. And let me tell you why he's awesome. There's a lot of reasons why I can tell you that I love Pastor Gareth and I think he's awesome. He is my boss, Kevin. He is my boss. But there's other reasons why I think that he's awesome. And let me tell you why. The most important thing that Pastor Gareth wants to see happen in this church, the biggest desire of his heart is for us to experience the presence of God. That's all that he cares about. He wants us to continually fix our eyes on Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit, through the work that the Holy Spirit does, help us all become more and more and more like Jesus. That's all that he cares about. He is not in it for his own celebrity. He is not in it to make a name for himself. He's not in it to make his own brand. He only cares about drawing us in to the presence of God through the leadership that he gives this church. I am so incredibly grateful that that is what we're all about. We must not forget this as a church. We must never forget that Jesus is the head of our community. And if we continually fix our eyes on him, then we are going to be in the best place possible to navigate through all of the difficulties and the challenges. Do you realize how much division has taken place in the church over these last several years? It's heartbreaking how people have abandoned their church, how some people have never come back to church, how there is anger and resentment and there's bitterness with the family of God because of this, that, or the other thing. The only way we survive that is fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
The only way that we will get through this together as a church family is if we keep Jesus Christ preeminent in our lives. Give me an amen again on that. Now, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. The next part of this helps us really live this out. If we really believe that Jesus is the head of the church, then the next idea really helps emphasize that because if we really truly believe that Jesus is our redeemer, it's going to radically change and transform how we live. So this is the second part. It is through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have been redeemed. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean of redemption mean? Again, another churchy word. This is what it means, that Jesus Christ, through the life that he lived, the way that he treated people, through the sacrifice that he made on the cross, that he gave himself to experience a sinner's death, a criminal's death, that he was crucified on that cross, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, and that through the resurrection, through three days later, after being in that tomb, coming back to life, conquering death, showing that God is stronger than anything this world can throw our way, we have been given peace, that the hostile humanity that we can be has now been created a peaceful relationship and harmony between the God of the universe. Our sins have been forgiven. We are justified in the eyes of God, and he sees us as holy and blameless. This is the gospel story, the good news, that there is a God of this universe that loves us so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we may be forgiven and that we may be welcomed into a relationship with him. Church, this needs to happen for you and for me. We need to become a redeemed people that truly believe that, that believe what God has done, what Jesus has done on the cross. Why? So that it can happen through you and through me for those that have yet to experience who God is. Stanley Hauervoss, the author, says it this way. The only way for the world to know that it is being redeemed is for the church to point to the Redeemer by being a redeemed people. How many of you believe that our world needs to be redeemed? How many of you believe that our culture, our society, your neighborhoods, our community needs to be redeemed? How many of us have family members? How many of us maybe personally? How many of us have friends, maybe even strangers that need to be redeemed? The only way that's going to happen is if the church becomes a redeemed people that continually point to the Redeemer. I got to have coffee with one of our church attenders a couple weeks ago, and it was at Jim and Patty's, uh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Jim and Patty's is great. I'm not saying anything against Jim and Patty's. But the Starbucks that I normally go to on Sunnyside, their lobby was closed. <sighs> and... Guys, that's devastating for me, okay? <laughs> devastating. A couple months ago, they had no white chocolate, and now their lobby's closed. It's amazing that I'm standing here in front of you today, able to talk to you. Anyway, I'm getting off subject. So I had coffee with this guy, and he was telling me about the challenges that he was experiencing, and there was a lot of things that he was walking through. And so I asked him the question that I always ask anytime I have coffee with anybody, is I always ask the same question, what can I be praying for you about? If there was one thing... One thing is I drive away as I think about you for the rest of that day. What's the one thing I could be praying for you about? And he looked at me and he didn't even hesitate. He said, honestly, Aaron, the one thing that I care about, 
the one thing I want you to pray for is that my children would see Jesus Christ in my life. May that be the cry of each of our hearts. May the most important thing, the biggest prayer request that we have, that people would see Jesus Christ in our life. We need to be a church that every single day we look for ways, not as a burden, not as something that we got to do as a checklist, but that we would understand how amazing, how incredible, how life-altering the presence of God through Jesus Christ is. And so every single day we need to look for ways so that we can be created into the image of Jesus Christ. This is our purpose, lived out, that we would be a redeemed people that point towards the Redeemer. What do our marriages need? What do our families need? What does our society and our culture in this world need? It needs people that look like Jesus. And it starts with you and me if we truly believe what Paul said here in Colossians. If we truly believe that Jesus is the image of God, that he is the visible image of the invisible God, if we truly believe that Jesus is the Lord of all creation, if we truly believe that he is the head of the church and he's our redeemer, it should radically change and transform the decisions that we make every day and we should be pursuing the way of Jesus. Now there's a couple more things I want to do before we go. So the worship team, if you can hear me, please make your way up on stage because one of the things I want to do is I want to end in a worship song. Just one more quick worship song. And it's called Jesus at the Center. And so as we sing this song, as we head into this time of worship, allow this to be maybe just some space that you create to really ask this question. Jesus, are you preeminent in my life? Are you really above everything else? Are you that important to me? Do I really consider you to be the greatest gift that we've ever received? So together as a church family, and even if you're not quite there, you're still wrestling through some questions of faith, I would invite us after I'm done praying to stand up and then we're just going to pray. We're going to ask that Jesus would be the center of our life. Jesus would be the center of our church. That Jesus would be the center of everything. And the second thing that I want to do before we go and I know, I'm, I know I'm running late here, so can I just do this real quick? I want to just create some space. If there's somebody in this room that has yet to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Like I said, I know that faith is hard and it's challenging. And if you grew up in church or if you didn't grow up in church, it's all the same. It's all the same challenge. It's difficult trying to wrap our minds around, God, who are you? And why would you allow this stuff to happen? And who is this Jesus that we talk about so often? And what does he mean to me? I just want to give you some space today. That if you're wrestling through who you are, if you don't know your identity, if you're really asking God, what am I, what am I all about? What am I supposed to do? If you're so confused on God, what's my purpose? Why have you done all this? What's what's the point? If you're wrestling through some messy things, if there's darkness that you feel has surrounded you, if you're discouraged, if you feel alone, I just want to invite you to experience and come to know Jesus Christ, who is the visible image of the invisible God. 
that was a part of your creation who loves you so much, who claims you as his son or his daughter. He believes that you are worth fighting for. And so Jesus Christ has fought for you every single day. And he wants you to come and experience the redemption that he already gave on the cross. We're gonna sing this worship song. There's gonna be some prayer partners at the end. If today is the day that you wanna come to know who Jesus is, let us as your church family walk with you. Let us celebrate the truth of who Jesus is and let us continually keep him at the center. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this day and I thank you so much for this amazing and incredible church that I get to call my family. Holy Spirit, move in this place right now. Lord, silence the lie of the enemy and silence the lies of our culture and let us continually fix our eyes on your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the honor of being in your presence. We thank you for this honor to be able to worship you and to remind ourselves of the truth that there is nothing better, there is nothing greater than you in our life. For through your son, Jesus, we know ourselves. Through your son, Jesus, we know our purpose. And through your son, Jesus, we are saved. We give you all the glory and all the praise today. And we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.